Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. to Tuesday night, Rightly Dividing the Word here at the Building Christian Fellowship. So glad that you guys could join us tonight. Woo! Glad that you guys made it here in the building. Yeah. It's a blessing. You know, this tonight. tonight's the night for, for all the, the real saints that we call the super saints to, to dive in and dig into the Word of God. Um, it, takes a, it takes a special kind of disciple to uh, come out in the middle of the week. Uh, per se, and uh, really dig deep into the deep things of God. So uh, I, I salute you guys for being here tonight. Those of you guys that are tuned in over the airwaves that maybe couldn't be here uh, physically, I salute you as well for uh, showing yourself to be serious students of the word. Tonight, we are going to conclude our journey through John. We have already made it to the end of the book of John, John chapter 21 tonight. But before we jump into tonight's study, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to come into your house tonight, Lord. We thank you for giving us uh, uh, the, the, the pleasure and the honor of being able to dig through your word tonight, Father. We just ask that you would reveal yourself to us in a greater way tonight, that we would be able to see you for who you are, Lord, and that we would be able to see ourselves uh, the way that you desire for us to be seen, Lord, that we would see ourselves as uh, the dependent sheep uh, to you who is the good shepherd. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would give us an ear to hear your voice tonight, that we would not uh, allow ourselves to be drawn away or distracted by the voice of a stranger, but that we would be able to focus and hear you speaking to us by your spirit tonight. Holy Spirit, have your way. We thank you that you are the great comforter. You are the counselor. You are our, our, our teacher who will teach us and lead us and guide us into all truth. So we thank you tonight for this opportunity to get into the word. Lord, we ask that you would make our hearts fertile soil, that we would receive the seed of your word, that your word would be not only planted, but it would, it would be watered, it would be nurtured tonight, and that it would blossom into great fruit, that you would receive all of the glory for what it is that you're doing in our lives. Lord, that we would uh, be, be ever mindful that it's not so much about us being us, what we're doing, but that we are, uh, we've been created to be human beings, Lord, and that we would recognize the most important thing is to be your sons and daughters, Lord, that we would, that we would, uh, prize that and cherish that above all other efforts that we have in life is, is, is sonship, that we walk in sonship with you. Lord, we thank you that you are making us one as your body, just as you the Son, and the Spirit are one, Father. We thank you for the work that you're doing, that you are faithful and just to finish the work that you began in us. And we thank you that as we get into your word tonight, that we would have a greater revelation of that. We would leave this place different than the way we came in, that we will leave here equipped, that we will leave here built up, that we would leave here edified and, and, and encouraged tonight, Father. We thank you for your word, and we ask that you would just bless it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as I said, we're, we're at the conclusion of our journey through John. And so tonight, we pick up at John chapter 21. For those of you guys that tuned in last week, uh, Pastor J.R. and Erica did chapter 20, did an excellent job. It was good to hear from our uh, youth pastors uh, breaking down chapter 20 for you guys. And, and where did they pick up? They picked up with the empty tomb, all right? It's Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday as we, as we know it. And uh, Mary Magdalene, the, 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 the women who were the, the female disciples of Christ, they show up to the tomb and find out that it's empty. One of the things that you guys got to understand that this was a high-profile execution that took place. It was a high-profile execution. Here it is. We saw that all this stuff, all this controversy, all this conspiracy going around our Lord and Savior's death and how that he was an innocent man and he was put to death 
knowing that he was an innocent man, just to try and appease the religious rulers of the Jews at the time. And so uh, here it is in verse 20 or chapter 20, uh, as, as the, the butchers junior went over last week, that there's an empty tomb. And what, we, what, we, what John doesn't really go into a whole lot of illustration about um, concerning this, this, this occurrence that the other disciples did in, in, in their gospels is that because this was such a high profile uh, uh, death, this was such a high profile figure that uh, one of the things that was common back in that day was that there were grave robbers. Grave robbers would come and steal the bodies they would steal from the, the dead because a lot of times people were buried with their treasures. Sometimes people were, you know, just for whatever reason, that was a thing back then that was going on. And this is something that's been historically documented at that time. And I believe it was Caesar Augustus at the time had put out uh, an edict stating that anybody who robbed graves at that time that was caught robbing graves would be executed and put to death. So this is something that we have to take into consideration regarding the, the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that this wasn't a mock resurrection, that this wasn't something that, that there was a, a great magic trick that the disciples tried to pull off to bamboozle everybody. No, this is a real life resurrection, that there was a a, 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 a stone that was rolled in front of the tomb. Not only was there a stone rolled in front of this tomb, but the tomb was also borrowed because it was borrowed from a, a, a rich man who was also a rich ruler of the Jews named Joseph of Aramaeth. And uh, basically, not only was this gigantic stone rolled in front of the tomb, but there was also a guard. There were guards that were set out in front of the tomb to watch the tomb to make sure nobody messed with it. So here it is in chapter 20. We see that it's the day of the tomb has been, the stone has been rolled away and the, the tomb is empty. Nothing inside of the, well, technically, okay, the tomb doesn't have a body in it. The tomb is not empty, but the tomb does not have a body in it. And what is observed in the tomb by the disciples, John tells us, is that the, the, the grave clothes that Jesus was wrapped in are left laying there where they laid him. And it's a funny little, little detail that he leaves about there being the napkin. There was a napkin that covered the face. And there's, there's, it's a funny that he leaves this detail that the napkin was set apart from all of the grave clothes that Jesus was wrapped in that the napkin, that the grave clothes laid where Jesus was laid at, but the napkin was folded apart from the grave clothes. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of speculation and conspiracy regarding what the whole meaning of this is, and I'll just lay it out there just to, just to give, it, give you guys an understanding of what this possibly could mean. Some people have, some people have certain opinions about it, that it means something, other people say, no, nah, it's not really all that significant. We don't want to go outside of scripture and speculate. But I just want to lay it out there for you. Either way it goes, whether it means nothing at all or it does mean something, I'm going leave, to leave it to you guys and, and allow the great teacher to reveal it to you whether it means something or not. So one of the speculations is, is that um, the significance of the napkin being folded and set apart from the grave clothes is that typically there's a, there's a, a, a paradox that happens when a, a, a birthing of a new life happens. Typically the baby cries while everybody rejoices. Everybody rejoices the arrival of the new baby, but the baby is crying upon its arrival. A lot of times because it's not self it's not self aware and it's not world aware of where where it's arrived and where it's going. And so, being the fact that the resurrection was was a sort of birth for Christ into His glory, you see the napkin. The napkin was was a symbol of of mourning. Napkins are for mourners. And so, being the fact that Jesus wasn't going to be mourning where He was going. He left it behind for those that cry in his departure. 
So that's one that's one aspect that the napkin is for mourners. And of course, the, 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 the disciples and all those who 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 held him as beloved were in a state of mourning because of his death and his departure from them. And isn't that ironic that, that that's how it is for us? Like we as believers know because scripture tells us that death is not the end, but it's, it's rather a birth into eternity. Right. And just like it is for a baby upon its arrival, the baby cries and everybody rejoices. But upon departure and birth into eternity, the people cry. But the person who, who departs into eternity is rejoicing. Why? Because they're glorified. So that's one of the one of the the the, the theories of the significance of the napkin being folded and set apart. Another one that I like that that to me holds equal value, but it hasn't necessarily been proven. There's a lot of conspiracies, speculation about it. But they say that there's a custom in which a master who is eating at a supper has a napkin and the servant, his servant knows that the master is 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 finished by the wadding of the napkin and it being left on on the on the dish. But when the master is leaving from the table, he'll fold the napkin and set it aside from the dish as a sign that he'll return. So you can choose to you can choose to decipher that for yourself for for for, for you know uh, for what it's worth. But the bottom line is we know that Jesus is coming back. Amen. Amen. So that's just something I wanted to kind of use as a segue into where we're at tonight, where we're going to pick up. And so we're here in John chapter 21. This is post-resurrection. Jesus has revealed himself to his disciples. There's been several eye accounts, eyewitnesses that Jesus is alive. Jesus revealed himself. To, to, to Mary in the garden. He's revealed himself to his disciples while, that were walking on the way. He's, he's revealed himself, and he's given them very specific instructions. He said, go back to Galilee and wait for me. I got to go take care of some stuff, but, but y'all go away from me in Galilee. I'll, I'll meet y'all over there. And so this is where we're picking up. So the disciples, what we have to understand here in John chapter 21 is the disciples, they are coming to grips with the resurrection. After having seen this 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 beautiful horror of the bleeding and torn apart savior hanging on the cross, naked, shamed, despised, broken on the cross. Not just for us, but because of us and instead of us. OK. They're coming to grips that they've seen him whole and risen. So they're still coming to grips with the resurrection. And now they're waiting in Galilee for Jesus as he's instructed them. OK, so we pick up in, in, in John chapter 21, starting with verse one. It says later, Jesus appeared again to his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. So we got seven dudes, seven, seven of the eleven, right? Seven of the eleven are here in Galilee, and they're waiting for Jesus as Jesus commanded, right? One of the things that I think that's, that's interesting as John, we know John got this weird thing going on throughout the whole book where he doesn't refer to himself as who he is. He refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved, which is like just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't wait till we get there. Well, I can wait till we get there, but I'm, when we get there, I'm going to ask him about that. Like, what's going on with that, man? I, I mean, I, as, a, as, a, as a fellow poet, I, I get the whole, the whole metaphor and like, you know, the setup and the display of everything, but it's just interesting how he's referred to himself all throughout these, these chapters as the one that Jesus loved. But it's funny that he distinguishes Nathaniel for about about this. He he distinguishes Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, and 
Why is this significant? I think that it's significant because the reason why, again, they're coming to grips with the resurrection of Jesus, right? And so when you look back in John, when we read in John chapter 1, verse 46, Nathaniel was the one who was talking about, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything come good out of Nazareth? Talking about Jesus, right? Because his brother Philip was like, hey, man, we done found the one that Moses was talking about. This is the one that Moses was talking about, the Savior. We, we, we done found him. And he's, and he's like, out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But you see that Nathaniel has become one of the disciples, one of the devoted followers of Christ. And so here it is. He's, he's waiting with the other disciples in Galilee as Jesus had commanded. And so here it is we see. Verse three, Simon Peter says, hey, y'all, you know what? I'm going fishing. We'll come too." they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Let me stop there real quick. As funny as I was reading this, as I was reading this text, man, it reminded me of my childhood. Um, my dad liked to fish. Like, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with my dad, but like, um, you know, because he wasn't there for whatever reasons. But when he was around, his thing was fishing. He liked to fish. I didn't particularly like it, but he liked to fish. That was his thing. And night fishing at that. Like, I'm like, man. There's a lot of stuff I could be doing at home at night as a kid, like, you know, trying to stay up and watch TV, like, when the shit. But he's like, he's like, I'm out here, you know, digging through tackle boxes and, like, you know, just out here playing with worms at night. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's night fishing. But any good fisherman knows that nighttime is the right time. <laughs> as Ray Charles said, nighttime is the right time when, it's, when, you, when you're going to catch fish. And here it is, you got these experienced fishermen. Because if you, if you guys look back through the chapters and look through the scriptures, you see that Peter was a fisherman. Which you, what a lot of people always look at is Peter was a fisherman, but what they don't realize is that John and James were, were his business partners. Because it says that in scripture, it talks about how they all, they all had this fish collective, right? They, they all went out and fished together. And they split up their fish and they, you know, that's how they made their living for their families. And so here it is as I'm reading this, I'm, I'm reminded, I'm like, when I was a kid going out fishing with my dad. And so the last time that I went fishing with my dad, it was a derby, a fishing derby that they had here locally in Susun, Virgil's Bait Shop put on a fishing derby, right? And I remember that, that, that particular, this particular time, not only because it was the last time that I fished with my dad, but we actually caught something. We were out there with a, with a group of his friends. We all went into this fishing derby and Mind you, my dad liked fishing at night because he used to like to go after a particular type of fish. And the fish that he liked to go after was a sturgeon. Okay? Follow me. So he liked to go after a sturgeon. Sturgeons are like these gigantic prehistoric catfish. Right? That's basically what they are. They're like a gigantic, ginormous catfish. And they typically only bite at night. Like, I've never... Like, rarely have I ever heard of anybody catching a sturgeon during the daytime. Usually they're night, they're night biters, right? And so these things grow huge. They, they grow big. And so, so, so much so that they put regulations on how big you can catch them at. And so back when we, when we caught this particular sturgeon, we caught a sturgeon this, this night. And I remember it was like, it was, it was the middle of the night, probably like just past like midnight, because it was crazy. Like, I, I had never seen anything like it before. And mind you, uh, it's the middle of the night. I'm probably about maybe like around 11 years old or so. So I've never seen anything like this. Um, so I remember my dad caught it with this, this, this fishing pole. They call it the ugly stick, right? So he catches, he catches this, this sturgeon. And I remember, I was like, well, well, I could see the line moving, but I'm like, why aren't you reeling this thing in yet? 
And so I'm like waiting for the action. I'm like, man, waiting to see what this is or whatever. Now, mind you, this thing comes up out of the water. And, it, and once it's hooked, it comes up out of the water and it'll spin because it has diamonds on its back, these scaled diamonds on its back that help it cut the line to get, to get loose. So it gets up, it's, it, 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 it rises up and spins to try and cut the line to keep from being, from being caught because it knows it's caught by something. Now, long story short, my dad's able to reel this thing in and it's, real, it, it, and it's, and it's coming in and it's, and, it's, and it's not coming in without a fight. And it's coming in and he's reeling that thing in, reeling that thing in. By the time he got it, he got it to the bank. We ain't on a boat. We're on the bank and he's reeling this thing in. By the time it came in, they measured the thing, it was about six feet long. So mind you, this six foot thing, about six feet, comes out of the water and it's hooked and it's trying to spin and fight, right? Part of that that I'm, that I, that I'm bringing this up, just like a sidebar, I know it's kind of, it's kind of a reach, but I don't know how long that that thing had been swimming in these waters, right? But it survived as long as it could, masked in darkness, about six feet. But when it was his time, it was his time. And so I want to share that with you guys as, as far as like, you know, you can be masked all you want. <laughs> you could be about six feet. You could be fully vaccinated. But when it's your time, it's your time. All right? And so I'm saying that that that, that it's it's a I don't mean to be making joke a joke of coronavirus or COVID-19. I'm not saying it's a joke, but it's definitely a joke when people will convince you to live in fear and follow these regulations and and put all these 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 restrictions on you but continue to live their life while you stop living yours. I don't know why the Lord led me in this direction, but 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 I brought this this all came to mind just from a fishing story. Okay? And I just want to throw that out there to you. That that it's no different than Jesus' time when the, the religious leaders who played politics with the people's lives. It said it says in a passage that you go across land and sea to make disciples, and you hold them to regulations that you don't even keep yourselves, making them twice the son of hell as you are. Doesn't it sound kind of like the climate that we're in today? But praise God, that's how we got there from a fishing story. So here it is, man. Great fishing story. It's probably one of the most epic fishing tales of all time. Verse 6, they replied that, no, we haven't caught nothing, Jesus. You know, or they, they, no, they don't even know that it's Jesus, right? They just hear this dude calling from the shore like, hey, y'all caught anything? Like, no, we haven't caught anything. So then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. What we need to see here is that Jesus was in the process of teaching this, these men their personal inadequacy, even in the type of work they knew best and they had the most experience with. And I feel like that's what God is doing with us right now. I feel like God is, is showing us that we're not going back to things as normal. Like there's, there's going to be some 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 like just minor details that he's going to tell us to follow through on and it's going to make all the difference in the world. Are you following? It was important that they articulated their failure. He asked them, hey, fellows, have you caught anything? They could be like, oh, well, we, you know, we got a few bites. They could have talked about all the coulda, woulda, shouldas. You know what I'm saying? We have one in the net for a minute, but it, but it got out. No, they were like, no, we ain't caught nothing. We've been out here all night and we ain't caught nothing. And so it's important in this lesson that Jesus is teaching them that they 
that they articulate their failure. It's important for us to look back at 2020 and even the beginning of 2021 and admit what our failures have been. To articulate this to God. Lord, I'm failing. I'm failing. My, like, Lord, I'm still failing in my marriage. Lord, I'm still, I'm still failing in my, in my career, in my business. Lord, I'm, 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 failing, I'm failing in my finances. Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm failing. Perhaps this was symbolic of the new era that was opening up for them as Jesus' disciples. Such a suggestion must have seemed ludicrous to them as seasoned fishermen. Like, yeah, man, just put it on the other side of the boat. Like, you don't think that maybe I would have considered that. It's funny, I saw a meme earlier about, it was a church meme, about how, like, the, the, the pro presenter media shuts down, like, five minutes before service starts. And that, 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 that truly kind-hearted, you know, bless their soul member comes, well, did you, did you think about rebooting the computer? Yeah, that was the first thing I thought about. Okay? Just go find your seat, please. Thank you. But here it is, they get this suggestion from somebody they can't even see. It's like, hey, man, put it on the other side of the boat. About six feet. So you know that they had to have thought that this, this was kind of ludicrous, that such a suggestion was made, Right? So the idea that such an insignificant change would accomplish anything was laughable. I'm going to just take like, like there's a barrier between the left side of the boat and the right side of the boat. Yet amazingly, the disciples followed Jesus' orders when they didn't see him. When they didn't see him. Sounds kind of familiar, kind of sounds like, like what Jesus told Thomas last week in chapter 20. He's like, man, you believe me because you see me. But blessed are they who haven't seen and believe. Maybe that kind of resonated and stuck with them. Maybe the residue of that was still on them when he told Thomas that in the midst of the, tw- of the 11. They're like, yeah, maybe we should go ahead six feet. Drop the net on the other side. Verse 7. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. This was perhaps reminiscent of when Jesus first had called those same disciples to follow him. I don't know if you guys remember but there was a time where the disciples, they were fishing and they were washing their nets. Jesus came to them and said, hey, man, let me use your boat so I can go talk to these good people. Let me, let me, let me use your boat so I can talk to these people. He's like, all right, cool. You can use my boat. Tell this to Peter. So Peter launches out a little ways so Jesus can talk to the people. Why? Because it said that, that it said that that water is a great carrier of sound. And there was a big crowd, and Jesus needed to let his voice carry so the crowd could hear him. So he's out on the water, and his, his, his voice is bouncing off the water. Water's carrying it to the people to talk. And so after Jesus is sharing his, 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 his good keys to the kingdom, he says, hey, Peter, let down your nets for a catch. And he says, Lord, I... He's like, I've, I've toiled all night long. I've toiled all night long, and I've caught nothing. He's like, let down your nets for a catch. Mind you, this is the middle of the day. Let down your nets for a catch. So he's like, all right, well, we've caught nothing, but he's like, at your word, I'll go ahead and do it. Let's down his nets. They're catching so many fish that their nets begin to burst. And this was when Jesus first called them. And now we're seeing that after the resurrection, that Jesus has them in a similar predicament of when they first met. So it's reminiscent to the disciples. I think they're like having a sense of deja vu here. 
And they had responded by leaving their fishing trade to follow Jesus once their nets had burst. They left their fishing trade. It says that, that, that Peter threw himself down at Jesus' knees and called him Lord and said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinner. Jesus is like, man, it's all good. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And that's what they spent the last three years of their life doing. And now they've been they, they're, they're, their savior, their leader, their, their mentor, their, their teacher has died, buried, resurrected, and now they're waiting on him. And now they're encountering him in the same manner in which everything had began. And so we see that here it is that they had a long night of toil when they first met. No catch. They're in a similar situation. Long night, no catch. Jesus is on the side. He's like, yeah, I know y'all ain't caught nothing. But let it down on the other side so you can catch. And they do. And their nets begin to fill up. The difference between then and now where we're at is that when they launched out the first time, Jesus made them launch out into the deep. This time, they're not as deep, which means they didn't have to toil as hard. And I believe that, that that's what, 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 what happens because of the resurrection is that, that, that through obedience, the supernatural can happen. The supernatural can happen if we would be obedient. Because of their obedience, they experienced overwhelming success. Success far exceeding their natural ability. That's that supernatural. They even had trouble managing the results of their success because it was so great. Indeed, obedience to his word, even though they did not know it was his word. They couldn't see him. They just heard some dude calling out to him, say, hey, man, let it down on the other side. They didn't even know it was him. And I think that we can learn something about this is that that we can also be yielding an unbelievable reward when we are obedient to his word, even if we don't know for sure that it's his word. You know, I like I don't know if you guys have the bad habit that I have, but I like to know everything. Like, I don't like to look stupid. Right. I don't want I don't always want to be a fool, but that's what we're called. To, that's what Paul talks about. We're fools for Christ. Right. Christ used the foolish things to confound the wise. And so sometimes you look like, well, yeah, it looks real foolish to any, like any other seasoned fisherman that was probably out on the water would have laughed at them, talking about, yeah, put it on the other side. Yeah, just put it on, the, they're over hiding on the other side, yeah. But because it was the resurrection and the life who said it, it was so. Peter's response to this is different from the last time he was on the same waters. He's on the waters of Galilee, right? Tiberius, as John likes to refer to it, is Tiberius. These are the same waters that, that Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Same waters. The waters that, that Peter stepped out of the boat, walked on, and sank. But here it is when John says, hey, man, that's the Lord. Peter's response is he didn't wait for, for him to bid him to come. He didn't he didn't wait to, to receive a miracle and step out of the boat. He throws on his coat. And hops in the water and swims. If you notice that it tells us that, that they're about 100 yards away from the shore. I don't know what you, if you guys understand the significance of 100 yards. I've bear crawled 100 yards before, and it's not fun, nor is it easy. Mind you, that's on the ground on something that I'm used to being on. This man hops in the water, fully clothed, and swims 100 yards to get to Jesus. And something that overtook him before, because he took his eyes off of Jesus, he was able to dive in and overcome to get to Jesus. Amen. 
because he was focused, not necessarily physically, but focused in here on where he was going and what he desired. So he grabbed his coat. It shows that he had no intent of returning to the boat. Not only that, I don't know if you've ever seen like when somebody's like hard at work and, you know, they're they're in the midst of their work and they're kind of messy and a guest of honor shows up unexpectedly and they're like, oh, and they, they, they don't really have time to get themselves together and get all cleaned up. And so they're like they're wiping and, you know, wiping stuff on stuff that they shouldn't really be so they can so they can be presentable to greet this 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 person with gratitude and love and, and hospitality and welcome them, welcome their presence. And that's what's significant about him throwing on his tunic because it said he took off his jacket so he could work, which means he's not presentable. But he threw on his coat so he could make himself presentable to come and greet the one who came to see him, that he was glad to see. Though he may have been soaked, he wanted to be presentable. It's the same way of, of you wiping your mess on your clothes, like messing yourself up more while you're trying to clean yourself up to greet the guest of honor. So that's what that's what's significant about him grabbing his coat. He had no intent of returning to the boat. He forgot about the catch. Why? Because he's saying that, that, that though this catch would be a great sustainer for me and my family, that you are my sustenance. You are my sustenance. He showed no concern for the fish. He willingly let them go. His only desire was to get to Jesus. We can learn something from that. Verse 8. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore. For they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. Fish and bread keep the poor man fed. That's what they say. Verse 10, bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. The fact that the net did not break may symbolize the capability of the gospel to catch many people without failing. Something that we need to look at here is that Jesus is setting them up for a lesson that he's about to open up and reveal to them right now. He's setting the stage for them. He's like, I'm going to feed y'all. Mind you, all of this, okay, all, this, this, is, this is a pivotal spot. Like, a lot of stuff has happened in the place that they're at. Like, this is the same place, same place that... that that Peter walked on the water, same place that they seen Jesus walking on the water, same place, same, same body of water that they had crossed and the storm came and Jesus got aboard the, the boat and the, the, the wind carried them to the other side. Same, same body of water that's next to the place where Jesus multiplied the little boy's lunch and fed the 5,000 hungry souls. This is where Jesus, Jesus was doing a lot of work here. They had a lot of history that was, that was a lot of their ministry was, this, this area was bathed in the ministry of Christ. And here it is, they find themselves post-resurrection here with, with Christ and they're, and they're breaking bread. And he's feeding them just like he fed the 5,000, only he's not using a miracle to do it this time because he is the miracle that's in the presence. Right. So he's not using a miracle to feed them, but he's also he's using he's using their resources to feed them. OK. Mind you, 
he's mixing it with what he's already done because he already had fish on the grill when they came. He said, go grab some of y'all fish and bring it and add it to this too. Right? This, this is a, this is a, a foretelling of, of Christ working along with his body, working along with his body, that, that it's not about, about uh, though, though it's not about works, it's, 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 we still have a responsibility. Though Christ has done all the heavy lifting, we still have a responsibility. Amen? And that what it is is showing that, that their, their resource, which was their catch, the nets that they brought in, that came about from their obedience to his word, right? And if we walk in our obedience that, that Christ is going to add the major part of the work to it to make it come to fruition, to make it happen, right? So they're sharing breakfast. And here we see Jesus in his resurrected state continues to serve them as their risen Lord by providing them with a warm fire and breakfast. Jesus is still operating and functioning in the capacity of a servant, even after he's resurrected. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, or Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Time he asked him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Why is this significant? When Jesus addressed Peter this, this way here, first of all, you got you to gotta understand that like when you look throughout the scriptures, Jesus and Peter had a lot of conversations, right? Sometimes he'd be like, hey, Peter, or he'd call him, call him the, the Greek name, some people say a Cephas, but it's Kepha. And, and they, they, they'd have these conversations. But here it is, Jesus is addressing him formally. It's like, you know, when your parents call you by your full name, like, you know, Donald Ray Johnson III, right? You know, you know that, that something serious is, is at hand, right? And that's what he's doing with Simon. He's saying, Simon, son of Jonah, speaking to his whole person. He's saying, hey, let me ask you something. So when Jesus addressed Peter this way, Peter probably realized that what Jesus was about to say to him was extremely important. What we also have to take into in consideration is that I know for face value, we see that, oh, we think that, that, that Peter is being uh, reconciled to Jesus because he denied him three times, right? That's the, that's, the, that's the common thing that we always look at when we see this, this three times that, that oh, Jesus gave him a, a chance to, to, to reconcile and, and make up for, for the denials and the betrayal, right? That's, that's cool. And yeah, there is, that, that is true. But what I love about God is, is his, his attention to detail and the way that he sets things up. Because if you noticed that John, who I appreciate the way that he, he describes things, is John said that Jesus had some fish and bread that was cooking on a charcoal fire. And as he's feeding the disciples breakfast, he decides to make Peter his lesson of the day. And as he's making his, his, his disciple Peter the lesson of the day, not only reconciling him back to himself and giving him a chance to, to, to change his profession from that of betrayal and denial to a profession and a confession of truth and faith, but he did it by a charcoal fire. 
which was the last time that Peter made his denial was by he warming by a charcoal fire and the cock crowed. I thank God for his detail. That he took him to a place and redeemed him from the place where he had lost his glory, that he, he fell. Verse 18, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during, like, I feel like John just like be rubbing, rubbing it in. Like, he's like, so he's like giving you a, a thorough description of not only did Jesus love this, but the disciple leaned over to Jesus during the supper and leaned his head over on Jesus' chest, Right. <laughs> during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Right? Like, it's just, just, it's like, come on, man. Yeah, enough. Like, John, John is like that, you know, that, that the, the baby sibling that, like, gets on everybody in because he's so beloved. Just, right? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. John talking about himself. <laughs> talking about the rumors. The rumor around town was that I wasn't going to die. Right? <laughs> that, that, that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that, this, that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. 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 That concludes our journey through John, you guys. Clap it up. You guys, thank you guys for sticking with me through this journey. I know it's been long. I can't even remember when we started this journey. But I know it's, 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 it's like the, the, the saints of old said, he done brought us a mighty long way. Okay? Um, but yeah, we made it through the journey through John. I pray that, that, uh, that these nuggets that, that are in here that you guys have been storing them up, that you guys, have, these, these gems, these jewels that we've gotten through our journey through John, that you guys are polishing them up and that you guys are holding them dear and near to you and that, that, uh, that with every, every time you take it out and look, every facet, God reveals something different to you um, and, and you grow deeper in your relationship with him. Um, thank you guys for... for, for uh, sticking with us through this study. And um, we got another study that's coming up to be revealed. Uh, we'll, we'll announce that when we get there. But um, we're going to be doing more stuff like this and uh, just digging through the word together and growing together and learning together. This is my first time actually going through the book of John like this myself. And so this, is, this was a, a journey for me as well. And it was uh, a fantastic voyage with all of y'all. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it for tonight. So, um, before we close out in prayer, just want to give a shout out, uh, Thursday night, Elevate YM in the building, 7 PM. Make sure that your young people get here. Uh, was it middle school through 18? Make sure that you make sure that your young people get here. This is the place for them to be. Um, <clears throat> parents don't make it, don't make it an option. Make sure that they're here. Amen. And don't use it as, as a disciplinary thing and, and try and keep them from the house of God. They need to be here. 
because uh, this is the best place for them. Let the word rub off, be smeared on, rubbed in to them, and we will send them back home to you. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Uh, shout out Saturday, Bibles, Beauties, and Brunch. Saturday, if you ain't got your ticket, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what you did with your life, but next time around, hopefully, uh, you know, you can make it happen. Um, trying to think anything else? I think that's it, y'all. Um, if you haven't downloaded the TBCF app, make sure that you do it. I don't know what you're doing with your life so you can stay connected, stay plugged in, stay tuned in. If you're giving your life to the Lord because of these broadcasts you're out there, please make sure that you hit us up on social media. Also, we have next week, we have next Tuesday night, ask the elders, please send in your questions. Hit us up on IG, hit us up on, on Facebook, uh, hit the DMs, leave your questions. We want to answer those and, uh, and, and grow together. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this awesome uh, opportunity, Lord, that you, this, this journey that you brought us through. We thank you that, that this journey is ended just to lead us to another journey, Lord. Just as we journey from glory to glory, Lord, we thank you that this is another one of those times that we're journeying from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. Lord, that you are uh, continuing to grow us as your people, that we are your body that is fitly joined together, that we are growing together in our bonds of unity, Father, that we would uh, encourage one another even uh, as we see the day approaching, Father, that we would continue to, to uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we might be filled. Father, we thank you that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom, Father. And we just look forward to that, Father. Help us to, to treasure your presence higher than anything else, Father. We thank you for giving us an ear, ear to hear what your spirit is saying to the church in this time, Father, that we would have the courage and the grace to be obedient to what it is that you are telling us and leading us to do, Father, that we would be the mature sons and daughters, uh, uh, that we would follow and be led by your spirit. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. We thank you for what you've already done. Lord, if you didn't do another thing, you've done enough with your blood. We thank you for all of this, Lord. We ask that you would protect us, keep us as we come and go. Lord, we ask that you would give us sweet rest on tonight, peaceful sleep, multiply the peace that's in our homes, Father. We say great is our, is our uh, peace and undisturbed composure. And we thank you for this. In the mighty, magnificent, and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. See you guys Sunday, 11 a.m. Peace.